Hello, listeners. Welcome to this podcast space. I'm your host, Fox the Jackal. Welcome to the audio parlor. Episode 2 This episode is a discussion of the song Don't Trust Me by 303. The parlor wishes to issue a content warning for sexually precarious scenarios and light sexual imagery. Hey guys, hey fam, it's your boy Fox the Jackal here. I want to take just a second of your time to talk about Don't Trust Me. If y'all don't remember it, it's this really douchey, bro-y pop song from like 2008. It's by 303, that's 30H exclamation point three. Stream it on your preferred platform, no endorsements here. So I came across it in a TikTok for the first time in years and flashed back to some road trip with my mom where she and I were listening to the radio and we were both really jamming. Like, this was a cool song, but then we hit the bridge and we were like, ew, no, this sucks. But even after it was over, we still talked about it for like 10 minutes after. There was something really cool about that song that I couldn't express at the time, and I want to try now. So here it is. Hot take. This is a horror movie song. And more. We'll get to it. It's okay. So if you're like me, if you're part of the fam, you've probably heard it before, but I want to go through the lyrics a bit. Like, we start so quickly with this really vivid sensory language. Black dress. With the tights underneath, I got the breath of a last cigarette on my teeth. So I was in the 8th grade when this came out, and at the time I was like, whoa, this is edgy. This is sexy and steamy and dangerous. And I know now this is just kind of tame. And I would probably call it less steamy and more muggy. Or just kind of sweaty and lame. Like, the singer is probably chatting up his bros in the sauna about this totally hot chick. And she's she's an actress. But she ain't got no need. She's got money from her parents and a trust fund back east. Now, it's been like 12 years. People besides me have pointed this out. But this isn't what most pop songs do. Like, most of the genre focuses on the singer, their actions, their feelings. This doesn't do that. We're getting some honest-to-God character development for this mystery woman, and, like, it's clearly biased, and the narrator's judging the hell out of her, but already I want to know more about her. And the song goes on to talk about tongues and cheeks and where the tongues are going, and it's disassembling the sex stuff into really gross and literal segments of imagery, kind of like a horror movie would. Uh? Uh? But I don't want to waste your time. You can read, you can hear, you can figure out what the song is doing and its message. I'm not here for that right now. Back to this girl. Her character gets so dark in the second verse. Listen. X's on the back of your hands. Wash them in the bathroom to drink like the bands and the set list. You stole off the stage has red and purple lipstick all over the page. There is such a dichotomy here, like two dichotomies that brush each other in ways that just, mm, they just give me chills. So first, in the song, there's the divide between the girl as she is and the girl as the singer sees her. The singer's established to think that she's this haughty, sexual being that's enveloped his world. He's singing all about her. She is the world right now. She has his attention. She has the power. But also, she's washing X's off her hands. Those are for underagers at a bar so they won't get drinks. She's underage and she's 
sneaking backstage and crushing on this band and whose lipstick is that like is she switching lipsticks does she have a friend did some other girl swipe the list first what's going on backstage this is not okay she should not be here and second yeah still she's in danger but to a little kid listening she is a superhero Look at her! She's in a grown-up bar, she's sneaking backstage, she's got on the cool dress and tights your mom won't let you buy. And I know, maybe that was just the style in 08, but work with me here. She's a superhero! She got this far, she is a god among 14-year-olds, no one's gonna get so much as a scratch on her! Bruises. Cover your arms, shaking in the fingers with the bottle in your palm and the best is. No one knows who you are. Just another girl alone at the bar. Okay. So, stick with me for a second. Imagine you're a little gay boy. You're not, it's impossible, I know. And you're at that age where you know you're gay, but you can't really do anything about it. Like, no one else is out your age, and you're a good boy, so you don't really get to get out a lot to really find other gay boys to talk to. But that's okay. You can talk to adults, and they understand, and they tell you it gets better, and you believe them. It's kind of funny how you only really get along with adults, but that's just because you're so mature for your age. Your parents have taken you to business dinners for years, and you've gotten really good at talking on their level, you know? You believe them when they say you're mature. You are mature. It's maturity. And certainly not the result of a social and educational system that guides you into exact roles that benefit their idea of good behavior while you suppress the things that you really want to talk about and listen to a vendor's carpet sample pitch for the third time this year. But it's okay. Because it will get better. You go to college, and you are such a cringe fest. Like, you don't know how to talk to people your own age, your roommate, or your classmates, and you kind of come off a little too gay for the straight friends you're making. And you still don't know how to find the gay crowd, and you're in this new town all alone for the first time, so you hide in your dorm room. For like a year. And after that year... and. Okay, maybe some more time still, you're, you're drinking age, and you finally say, you know what, this is ridiculous. There is a gay bar on the other side of town. I'm going. So you ride your bike. I'm going to say it again. You don't know how to drive. You don't own a car. So you ride your bike. Six blocks and you lock it to a lamppost just outside the bar. And you go in. It's five in the afternoon. The sun is setting, but there's not a lot of people here yet. You don't want to be alone, so you take a seat at the bar, one chair between you and the other guy. Bartender asks what you'll have. Your heart drops because you, dear Gaby, have the underdeveloped liquor palate of your roommate when he was fifteen. The other guy suggests a rum and coke, and you pipe up, Yes, please, may I have that? You get it. You say thanks. The guy tips his glass. By the end of that drink, the guy has scooched over. You're talking. Nicely. He pays for your second drink. And your third. You're nervous. He's really nice. He's got these square glasses, and his hair is smooth. You put your fingers through it. He touches your thigh. 
just below the pant of the pink shorts you're wearing for the first time. He leans in. You can see the wrinkles. You can guess the age difference. You don't know if you like them. This is all so new. More people are coming in, and he's done drinking. He says, here's my phone, enter your number. You do, and he walks away. Not five minutes later, you get a text saying to meet him out back. And you stand up. You slide effortlessly through the crowd forming, having no idea what's going to come next. No one notices you. No one's going to stop you. No one knows who you are. Just another girl alone at the bar. And as a professional in his mid-twenties who happens to be queer, I just can't imagine what that girl in the song must feel like. My first draft of this episode ended right here. But as Garth Marenghi proclaimed in his totally real docuseries Dark Place about his totally not fake TV show Dark Place, I know writers who use subtext, and they're all cowards. It's a joke, but there's some truth there. I don't remember what my mom and I talked about on that road trip. I don't think the song analysis got very deep. But looking back, I want her to listen to the lyrics with me. Talk about them. Because I know she got stuck on the Helen Keller Bridge. And that's fair. But I knew the Helen Keller Bridge was bad. We all knew the Helen Keller Bridge was bad. It wasn't the lesson I needed from her. People look at songs like Don't Trust Me, and they think, that's awful for kids to hear. Kids should get to be kids. The the world has them grow up way too fast. I think kids getting to be kids means, with other things, learning how to be the adults they'll become. Listeners, Romans, metrics on my screen. I hope you'll talk with your kids, if you have them. Don't hide this stuff forever. It may bother you, it might be stupid trash, but they're not you. It might be their trash. And maybe this'll be really important to them down the line. The life you plan for them may not be the life they lead. And that's okay. You can still be there for them, you know? But hey, who am I? I don't have kids. I'm not your dad. This is all way too sincere, and I'm just a trash baby. And thank you all so, so much for coming to my YouTube TED Talk still, 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 still story time. Like that smash and subscribe to The Doctor. Irony. Parasocial. Discord. Jokes. Well, all right, that's it. Thank you for listening to this second episode of The Audio Parlor. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I... I'll be honest, I have mixed feelings over it personally. This may be the second episode, but it's the first script I wrote, and I honestly think that shows in places. Um, I wanted to experiment with some quicker cuts and some tonal shifts that I hadn't really gotten to do with the interview work I had done with Jimmy. Uh, I'm not sure it's the tone for that we're going to work with going forward, but it was nice to play in it once, and uh, I might do it again. What did you all think? Did you like it? Were you able to listen to it? Did you enjoy it all the way through? Was it too short? I know this one is a little shorter than the Grey's episode. I 
I'm trying to aim for something more like 20 to 40 minutes, 45 minutes at the most, but this is the way this one worked out, and I think it's pretty complete as it is, so again, contact me. I have set up an email, foxthejackalsaudioparlor at gmail.com. A full listing of that spelling should be in the description of wherever you're listening to this. You can also contact me on Twitter at FoxEast52. This is the second part of a planned premiere to the podcast, so be sure to catch parts one and three. That first part was about Grey's Anatomy and a storyline I thought worthy of attention among what some people have assumed to be a pile of straight people trash. It's okay. I'm a fan, really. It's it's fine. I like the show. Give it a listen if you like. It's It's a fun time. The third part, which I'm editing together soon after this recording, is a fun look at a really iconic moment for the little-known triplicate girl, early in her history with the superhero team, the Legion of Superheroes. There's drama, there's glory, there's robots, there's shenanigans. I I really have a soft spot for this particular property, uh, this particular superhero team. They have a really long history, and I've really enjoyed looking into them. And this little spotlight right here, I I hope you'll check it out next. It's fun. This episode was written, directed, and edited by myself, Fox the Jackal. Additional voice work was provided by Jimmy Ellenberg. Thanks for that. You can check out his podcast that I edit for, Where You Are. It's a very different podcast from this very chill interview podcast with lots of really interesting people in the Birmingham, Alabama area. We should be uploading there again soon, as he is preparing for a season two premiere, so keep an eye on that. There's a season worth of content there, and there'll be more coming soon. Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a nice day, and stay safe out there. Goodbye.